Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. The time has come. I have been prepping you for a while, and season two of this podcast has been about what we do every day to keep our eyes on Jesus. And you can now pre-order my new devotional, Eyes on Jesus, a 90-day discernment devotional now on Amazon. Before we go any further, stop what you're doing. I will be here when you get back. Click on the show notes, hit pre-order, get this copy for your quiet time with Jesus and help support what I am doing. Okay. Are you back? Did you do it? I do want to point out that last week's episode with Dr. Ken Ham was amazing, and I hope you were able to hear it. We were actually at the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum in Kentucky, and it was amazing. I was able to chronicle some of our trip on my Instagram account and TikTok account at discerning underscore dad, so make sure you check that out, as well as the two-minute video that I recorded with Ken Ham in his office overlooking the Ark Encounter, so don't miss that. And without further ado, let's get to this week's episode with Jeannie Cunyon. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. My guest this week is Jeannie Cunyon. Jeannie is an author and frequent speaker at women's conferences and parenting events around the country. Her latest book is Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe Life is Better with the Holy Spirit. She is married to her husband, Mike, and they have five boys. Jeannie, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Absolutely heard about your book and uh, I love the topic and I was like, oh, I need to have you on. And so I'm glad we could work this out and I'm excited to learn more about you as well as our audiences. So if you just want to kind of give us a little more uh, background about yourself and, and your family and kind of how you got to this point in your life. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so as you said, my husband's name is Mike. Uh, we have five boys. Uh, they range from five to 24. Uh, our oldest uh, uh, joined our family uh, through an orphanage in Haiti called Benita's Children, uh, and just a wonderful place. And so um, my background, I am actually an adoption social worker by training. Grew up as a preacher's kid, been following Jesus since I was eight years old, um, <laughs> and, and stumbling all along, right? So, yeah. so grateful for the grace and mercy of God every day. Um, but became an adoption social worker and really thought that I would do that forever. Um, and then started my writing journey about seven years ago, um, my first book was about parenting, but really people say, so you're a parenting expert. And I say, no, I'm a grace expert uh, <laughs> because it's yeah. really just about knowing the grace of God and um, my need for his love and mercy and forgiveness every day as a, as a woman, as a mom, as a daughter of God. Um, we live in Connecticut and uh, um, although we're in the South right now and um, yeah, just grateful to be on the show and have, have the opportunity to talk about my newest book, Don't Miss Out. And uh, what the Lord has been revealing to me about uh, the beauty and the significance of his spirit. Yeah, that's great. So you, you do a lot of work with with women and, and speaking and, and you have a book too. Uh, so my first one was Parenting the Wholehearted Child. Right. And then the last one was Mom Set Free. That okay, was that's the, the one. one. Yeah, that's yeah, the one yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that book because I didn't uh, study too much on that one, but just a quick overview of the Mom Set Free one. Yeah, Mom Set Free is really my coming to really appreciate uh, and accept the fact that I play a significant role in my kids' lives, uh, but God is sovereign over their lives. Mm. 
And just knowing that I can rest in that, that there is freedom and knowing that all of that pressure that society puts on us and, and that we're so good at putting on ourselves. Um, so much of that pressure is really God's role, the Holy Spirit's role in our kids' lives. And so it's really about recognizing his sovereignty and his goodness over my kids' lives. They ultimately belong to him. And then looking at how I can partner with him in the work that he wants to do, rather than carrying all of that pressure and those burdens on my own and thinking that it's all up to me to get it all right (laughs) so that they turn out all right. Yeah. Um, so it's really about just parenting and freedom, resting in God's sovereignty over our kids' lives. And how do how does that play out on a practical basis and way in our daily lives? Yeah, that's a great message for any parent. Uh, just the fact that you want to try to control them every step of the way and make sure they make it to the, the right career, the right sport or whatever it is. You know, we have our own ideas and dreams for our kids, but it's like, what does God want for your kids? You know, what is, what is his dreams and plans for them and try to lead them on the direction of the talents and the gifts that God has put on their heart instead of being so stressed about them doing the right thing in our mind, we'll have them do the right thing according to God, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So grew up in the church, kind of like I was pastor's kid, you know, came to Christ when you were eight, you said, um, right. how was that journey after growing up as a PK? which, you know, I can speak about my experiences too. I'm curious for you, you know, how was that for you growing up in the church? Cause you know, there's, we tend to get a bad rap a lot, but <laughs> I was wondering how, sure was, how was it for you <laughs> as far as like practically day to day, you know, having, uh, having a connection to God and, and, but also being like in the thick of it. Yeah. I think you're right about the, the bad rap. It's funny. I often hear people say that preacher's kids either loved being preacher's kids or hated being preacher's kids. Yeah. There's really no, there's really no in between. Yeah. Um, I personally loved it. I loved being a preacher's kid. Um, I will tell you a, a little backstory is that I have two sisters who are 11 and 12 years older than me. So they're 18 months apart. And then I came 10 years later. And my mm. dad, if he were on the show with us today would, would say to you that um, he had to learn the hard way through my sister's that um, he had to be uh, married to my mom and his family first. Mm. There's that. I think sometimes that's what happens is pastors can become married to their church and the family can feel left out or neglected. And that's a lot of times I think why preachers kids become resentful of the church. Um, But for me, that was not the experience. He was very present. And I I can honestly say that it was my, my mother and father's love for um, Jesus that uh, made it contagious to me. Yeah. That I really, I fell in love with Jesus because I saw the way that they loved him. And I saw the difference that, that, that made in their lives. And so, um, I began following Jesus when I was eight years old from a Billy Graham movie, the prodigal. I don't know if you're familiar with it, oh, no. um, but a phenomenal, a phenomenal movie, um, and old movie, very old. Cause I'm 46 yeah. and I was eight, <laughs> but, um, that it was, it had a profound impact on me. And so but it was really my parents' love for Jesus. And, and, you know, it's funny, my dad was a good friend of Brennan Manning. I'm not, I don't Mm, know if you're familiar with him or, you know, I think we're all familiar with his work, but he, um, he was a good friend of my dad's and that idea of radical grace, Mm -hmm. you know, the ragamuffin gospel, the unconditional love of the father was, was the kind of love that I was raised with. And yet the irony is, I became a very performance-based, performance-driven Christian as I got older, that somehow the message, the messaging um, that we do get a lot in Christian culture of the striving and performing to keep God pleased Mm -hmm. um, began to uh, interfere with my grace-based faith. And so um, that was a, that's been a journey for me because I really began to feel like 
Um, it was, as I say in my last book, it's it was Jesus's job to save me, but it was my job to keep God happy that he did. Mm. <laughs> and so I lived a lot of my life trying to earn back a favor and a delight from the father that was already all mine because I'm yeah. covered in the perfection and righteousness of Christ. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. I'm reading the uh, ragamuffin gospel right now. It's on my desk at work and it's one of oh, the wow. books I've, I've heard about for years. And I was like, I just finally need to pick it up and read it. And I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I am. I'm not too far into it, but it's, yeah, I can tell already it's going to be good. And uh, yeah, it's one of the things where, especially as PKs or anybody, you know, it's more important to have parents and also be parents that that live by example, not just, you know, do as I say, not as I do, because that doesn't go anywhere, but it's like actually seeing that in play, seeing the love of Christ through your parents or being the love to your kids uh, will go much further than just good, you know, teaching the Bible well, or do these 10 steps and you'll be good. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, Kids hold on to a lot more about experiential training uh, and actually, you know, monkey see monkey do type of thing. So yeah. And I think there's, I mean, one of the things I've really had to learn, which has not been easy is that, um, you know, there's, it's our weaknesses really are an invitation for our kids to, um, not only know, not only know the father's love, right. Because they, they really get to witness God's strength and our weakness and, and out of our willingness to say, I need grace. I need mercy. I need forgiveness. I want to be a perfect parent for you. But yeah. there is only one perfect parent, and his name is Jesus. Right. Um, so, in our weakness, they get to not only see us relying on the grace of God, but then it also gives our kids freedom to yeah. be honest about their weaknesses and where they struggle. And and because I said, you know, my first book, Parenting the Whole Hearted Child, was really about this rediscovering the grace of God as a mm. mom. I had three, three boys under five at the time and the wheels had come completely (laughs) off and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be. And, and, and looking back, I know it's because I was trying to be a perfect parent. I really was. I was trying to please God with the way I was raising the kids he entrusted to me. And, and therefore I was expecting perfection for my kids. And this radical thing happened in our home when I got okay with confessing that I have weakness and I need Jesus and I'm supposed to need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then it gives our kids permission to go, I have weakness and I need Jesus. And then to experience his faithfulness in that, in that need. Right. And to yeah. know that grace. And I just, I think it's such a profound difference in parenting from that place of, I think it's Paul David Tripp who calls it a gracious rescue. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that perspective of parenting is a gracious rescue, which means we're, we're coming alongside our kids in our weakness and going to the cross together and letting the Holy spirit transform us and sanctify us and grow us in the likeness of Christ rather than coming down on our kids in that kind of shame-based way for, for being human, for being sinners who need a savior. Um, And it's just a, it changes everything when we can stop trying to play God's role in their lives and just go, listen, my job is not to be a perfect parent. It's to point you to your perfect savior. Mm. And, and if you know his love, he's going to work things out in your life. Like you said, you know, according to his time and his plan, and it it rarely if ever will look like what we think it's supposed to look like. And it's (laughs) going to, it's going to hurt a little bit because we're going to have to see them go through some things and make some choices that we know aren't God's best for them. Um, But as you know, the older they get, the more you have to really recognize and admit that you have no control over the outcome of your effort in your kids' lives. You know, we really, we do not control the outcome, the outcome of our effort. And so 
Uh, fortunately, we have a, they have a good and faithful father um, who's never going to give up on them. But man, it's a yeah. journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's a good a journey. And we're we we are our own worst critic, you know. Especially, I mean, just as humans, but especially as parents, you know, we we analyze every little detail and we think like, oh, I messed up. I'm not the the perfection that you know a lot of us try to achieve as as parents. And uh, I think kids, for the most part, they just they appreciate it when you do mess up and when you do ask for forgiveness and when they see that human side of you that will fail, like you're saying, is knowing that even parents need a savior too. And even if you place the thing like, oh, my, my parents never mess up. And when you see that, you're like, oh, there's, there's hope for me as a kid. You know, when you start mm-hmm. seeing your parents mess up, you're like, oh yeah, I don't have to try to achieve this level of perfection that even I won't be able to achieve not knowing behind closed doors that your parents are not there either. <laughs> but um, yeah. th- there's there's such a, a freedom there when you start to know that you're on this journey together. And I, I love everything you're saying there. So so it's probably a good segue for a, a time in your life when you realize that you did need to rely on, on Jesus. And, and the focus of this podcast is discernment, making decisions that honor God. If you could just take us to a time in your life when you were faced with a decision, uh, maybe as a parent or a, a, however you want to uh, uh, take us back to that time, uh, and you kind of had to listen to God, rely on him, and maybe you made a great decision, maybe you didn't, and kind of just what you learned from it. Yeah, well, I can tell you plenty of circumstances where I did not make a good decision <laughs> <laughs> and the discernment wasn't there. Or as you know, you, you can you can feel the Holy Spirit's nudge, you can feel his conviction, but you can choose to ignore it, right? Yeah. You can choose to not heed it and then clean up the mess. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking of a time, actually, it was I, I alluded to it uh, when I was kind of giving a little background information, but it was back when I was a new mom, five, three kids under five, and I was an adoption social worker. And I really thought that that's something I would do for my whole life. It's a passion God had put on my heart at a young age. And I, from a young age, I knew what I wanted to do. I got a master's in social work so I could be an adoption social worker. And I just thought that would be the work I would do forever. And when I began to feel this nudge, this like this thing that wouldn't go away, no matter how many times I tried like whack, I just tried to push it down, tried to push it down. And it kept rising to the surface was this um, undeniable urge, desire to start writing. Mm. And it made no sense to me. I'm not a writer. I didn't want to be a writer. I've never taken a writing <laughs> class, um, but I do love to journal. I've written my whole life. It's just never been for you know public consumption, so yeah. to speak. And, um, and I, and I was beginning to have this desire to start writing about what I was learning, relearning about the grace of God Mm. through motherhood, through my weaknesses being revealed through motherhood. And I didn't want to start writing. And I had so many conversations. You had journals filled with conversations with God going, this doesn't make sense. You put this passion on my heart at a young age. You called me to this work. How could I be hearing? I, I must be hearing you wrong. This, mm. But I know your voice. I've been following you for a long time. I know yeah. that feeling. I know that peace or lack of peace. I know how you communicate with me. But it just made no sense whatsoever. And I just continued to pray. And the and the peace was there. As much as I did not want to stop doing adoption work, I just knew that the Lord was calling me to trust Him to just start recording, writing stories and scripture unpacking what I was learning. And it was a really pivotal time because I, I think of any time in my life where I, where I, maybe the first time where I really recognized God, and I know it sounds cliche, but now I know, I knew it was true that God really does equip us to wherever he calls us Yeah, that we might lack the professional training or we might lack the 
background experience, but when the Lord is calling you to something, whether it's to start a ministry or or step away from something or lead a group or write a book or whatever it is, and it makes no sense and, and you don't feel like you have the, you're not qualified, right? I think so many of us feel unqualified yeah. for the things that God lays on our hearts, um, that he will truly provide what is necessary for the things to which he calls us to do even more so that he wants us to be able to experience his power and his wisdom and his strength being made very real through our inadequacy, through our lack of experience. And so that was a time of needing real discernment. And I could give you several crazy examples of ways that the Lord was like, yes, I am calling you to this. And, And what that woman just said, or what just happened over there is confirmation that I want you to follow me into this calling, this new calling on your life. And so, I don't know, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the way that God communicates with us through his spirit and helps us discern his plans for our life, um, that we're not left on our own to figure out our unique purpose, but that the spirit really helps us. He champions those unique gifts that God's given us. And it really is most often in those things that we don't feel equipped to do that that we get to experience the supernatural wisdom of God and the strengthening of God and the and the provision of God for for whatever he's put on our hearts whatever he's leading us to do. Yeah. That's so good. And that's similar to my story too when I started when I wrote my first book it was like what if I'm not I, I hate I hate writing. <laughs> Why would I want to write? But then God put such a deep passion on me to start writing and it started with blogging which led to a book and it's it's kind of like yeah, if you told me 5 years ago I would have written a book, I would thought you were crazy. And I'm sure you felt the same mm-hmm. way, you know, when you wrote mm-hmm. for the first time, it sounds like. And so, you know, uh, God will, will redeem and use talents. We don't even know we have, or ones like, you know, for your journaling, for example, you were, you were practicing, you were kind of like leading up to that and none of our, the skills or none of our, our story is wasted. As far as God is concerned, he can use it all. He can redeem it all for his glory. If we're willing, if we're a willing vessel to walk down that that open door he gives us and walk through to the other side and see the blessings that follow. Not that it will be easy every step of the way, but, and, and we can also say, no, we can also say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to write a book. You know, we have that free will and right. there's no condemnation as in that we'll lose our salvation. But at the same time, God wants to lead us on a journey of, of blessing, following him and learning to rely on him, realizing that I could never have written a book in my own strength, but because of God, because of the passions he's given me in this moment, I can now rely on him for a new, a new journey. And it's, it's exciting when you start relying on God and not on your own strength, because our own strength will, will fail us and, and we'll be frustrated and, you know, sometimes down a path that we don't want to be on. But I think for anyone listening, just, you know, there's encouragement that maybe you're in a season where you're not you're like, I don't want to do this for 10, 20 years, but maybe it's an equipping season. Maybe it's a season where God just wants you to rely on his strength. Maybe, um, maybe he's growing skills in you. You don't even realize that he will use in a year in five years. And so uh, that's why we just have to be so close to God and in hearing his heart for us. And then, and, and then obedience is key. Obedience is key, even though it might be scary. It might be, it might seem like it's going to fail, but if you are obedient to God, even if it fails in the perception of the world, right? Obedience is what's key. You know, God Mm -hmm. says in the Bible, obedience is more important than sacrifice. And this was in a culture when it was said of of sacrifice was everything. That's what you do. (laughs) And God's like, I'm looking at your heart. And so Mm -hmm. God wants our heart. He wants us to be able to lay everything down at his feet. And even if you sell two books, you know, if you, if you're obedient to write the book, that's all that matters. 
That's right. And I, it's, I love that you said that because one of the things that God knows about me better than I knew about myself was unless it became something that I, like the book, writing the book was about God teaching me. Yeah. Right? He was, he had so much he wanted to teach me about his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And he taught me by calling me to write the book, right? Like, like you said, if I had never even gotten a publisher or sold the book, it was, he knows that the way I would learn, not this isn't true for everybody, but the way I'm uniquely designed is the way I would learn that my most intimate time with God is when I am studying scripture. And then when I am having to work it out and then, you know, kind of put it on paper. And so it was all, it was all for him to teach me about his grace. And then um, I'm grateful that he, you know, gave me the opportunity to share it, but you're right. It's, it's, um, it was for me, but first and anything I've written, and I'm sure you can resonate with this has been for me first. It's, yeah. I can't, I can't write something. I can't say, give me a topic and I'll go off and write a book on that <laughs> unless it has changed my life and right. my understanding and my relationship with God, you're not going to want to read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just exactly. not going to be any good. <laughs> um, but if it's the story, it's our stories, right? Our experiences and how they, um, are founded, you know, foundational to scripture, right? What does the word of God say? And then how have I seen that play out in my life? How do I see God's character um, becoming more real to me in what I walk through, what I experience, and then, and then sharing that with one another, whether you do that in a book or a podcast or over coffee with a friend, you know, we all have a story to tell and, and, and things in your life that you don't even realize could really profoundly encourage or impact somebody else's. But the Lord knows, he knows exactly yeah. every conversation. Um, you know, he knows what he has planned in those moments, in those moments that to us might seem insignificant. Yeah. That reminds me of when I started the podcast last year, I just started, uh, I just started speaking like in, uh, you know, solo episodes for about 30, 40 minutes based on topics that I blogged about. And I did about three that never got published. And I was like, man, these are really boring. No one's going to want to listen to it. And I knew I was supposed to podcast, but I didn't know what exactly that looked like. And so God kind of led me down the road of, no, you, you wrote about the sermon, ask people about the sermon in their life and hear their stories. And then other people can, you know, learn from that. And so that's why one of the things where I could have just forced, you know, a, a square peg in a, in a round circle, but, you know, kind of listening and leaning on God kind of led to not a complete abandonment of that goal, but kind of just a, a twist, a, a, you know, reshaping of it, if you will. So this podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Cool. So uh, a focus of this season is also what we do every day to keep our eyes on Jesus, just practical steps that might be great for you, maybe a good routine that maybe not everyone needs to apply every little detail, but just by hearing, you know, things that we do to keep our eyes on Jesus every day, I think there's parts of it we can glean from and and learn from. And so I just want to ask you that question, you know, what kinds of things do you do to keep your eyes on Jesus every day? Not that every day is perfect, but just what are some practical steps that you have found that work for you? Yeah, this is, for me, it's a, it's a really, I don't want to say easy answer, but I know what I need and that's worship. Mm. Uh, for me, it is worship music on in the kitchen, on in the car, <laughs> on everywhere, because yeah. for me, it's a practice of rehearsing what is true, mm. right? There's so many lies that bombard us every day, toxic thoughts and, and negative thinking and worry. And so much of the worship music that I play, the playlist that I have 
are really about declaring what is really true over the lies that I can so we can also easily believe every day. Right. Um, There's a song out, for example, there's a song out right now called uh, you reign above it all. And for me, that's a song that I will put on and just, just sing, you know, even if it's just thinking the lyrics, which is you reign above it all above the, you know, whatever might be going on in my home with one of my boys, with the chaos or the panic, whatever it is, it's a practice of it preaching to your heart, so to speak. Right. So it helps me keep my eyes on Jesus by just rehearsing through music, what is true, but that I can so easily forget. Um, or disregard. So there's, then there's definitely, you know, certain songs that I, in, in certain seasons that mean a lot to me. I remember when we lost, I was, um, there's a song by Christy Knuckles called you're already all I need. And this is coming mm-hmm. to mind because I was just having this story with a friend the other day. Otherwise I don't think I would even have remembered this, but, uh, we had lost our home in hurricane Sandy. And at that around that time, Christy Knuckles had just put out a song called already all I need. And that song is just about the sufficiency of Christ. And no matter what we face in this life, everything we already need truly for eternity. And even in the now we have in Jesus Christ. And so that was like my theme song, right? That that would, I would just rehearse that, that we might not have a home and we might've lost our furniture, but Jesus, you are already all I need and you are our provider and you are all sufficient. So I keep my eyes on Jesus by really declaring what is true over the things that are the untrue things that are that, that settle on us so easily throughout the day. Yeah. That's really good. We could I could talk about worship too because it's it's one of those things it's not just about a feeling. It's about like you said re reaffirming in your mind what is true already, what the Bible says about God and you know, I, I tell people like it's like, well, I don't really care for worship. It's like, well, have you read the book of Psalms? Like it's those, those Psalms are all about worshiping God and and giving praise to God and and David danced before the Lord. And it's like our lives, it's not just about a worship service on Sunday. It's about living our life unto God as worship to him, that everything we do is, is worshiping him by our our actions, by our thoughts and and letting, you know, a, a great song kind of wash over you in a time when you're cleaning the kitchen or driving in the car is, is a great way to keep our minds focused on Jesus. So that's a great, great advice and something that might seem simple, but it's also something very practical that people can do that. I'm, I'm frustrated. Someone just cut me off in the car. So I'm, I, instead of just going down that dark place of, of anger, why don't I just put on the worship music and kind of re readjust uh, mm-hmm. where my mind is wanting to go? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really powerful practice for me. Cool. So uh, we talked about your book, but don't miss out in it. You say I was set free by Jesus, but I was trying to live free by Jeannie. Uh, what do you mean by that? And what was the shift that happened uh, when you drew closer to understanding uh, Holy Spirit? I think we talked a little bit you know, earlier about, you know, just recognizing my freedom in Christ, right. As you know, freedom from the pressure as a parent, but yeah. freedom in all of life, you know, it, it's, it's this really, it's this reality that Jesus set us free. We know that, right? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free from condemnation. He set us free from slavery to sin. He set us free from shame. He set us, he has literally set us free to live a free life, a life free to serve God, right? But what happens is that we try to live that free life in our own strength. We try to live out the Christian life without the power of Christ. And so we don't live free. We've been set free, but we don't live free, right? We know we've been set free, but we don't know how to live out that freedom. 
because so many of us don't know because we haven't been told that we have the power of Christ, the spirit of almighty God living inside of us, helping us walk in freedom. I think um, the salvation narrative is that, you know, when you put your trust in Jesus, you are freely given eternal life, Mm -hmm. right? That it is a free gift. It is not earned. And it is by grace through faith that we are saved and we have eternity with God. We are reconciled to God. A beautiful, it's the only story that really matters at the end of the day, right? And yet, what a piece of that story that's missing. The other part we're not talking about is when we put our trust in Jesus. Yes, we are given eternal life, but we are also given something else in that moment. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are given the spirit of God Mm. that in that moment, God puts his very spirit in us, living inside of us to give us everything we need. Second Peter says to give us everything we need to live a godly life, to live in pursuit of Christ, to live Mm. in the freedom that Jesus purchased for us. But there are so many Christians who either don't know that priceless gift that's been deposited inside of them, or they just don't know what to do with him. They don't know they have the Holy Spirit, or they don't know how to lean into the Holy Spirit, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so what happens? We've been set free, but we're not living free because we're trying to do the Christian life in our own strength. And that's kind of to go back to what I said earlier. I didn't realize the gift I'd been given. It wasn't that I wasn't aware of who the Holy Spirit was, but I just didn't understand the significance of his role in my life, all that he was sent to do in me. And so I became a Christian who was striving. I was striving to keep God pleased. I was striving to produce fruit in my own life. I was striving to grow in the likeness of Christ. And all the while, the Holy Spirit was in me going, hey, I'm in here to do that for you, right? I want to sanctify yeah. you. I want to strengthen you. I want to, I, want, I want to remind you that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy that ache and hunger in your soul. Yeah. But I was like, I got this. I got this. I'm <laughs> set free. And now I'm going to go live free. And so um, I'm just so passionate about um, just, it's just the basics, right? It's just like going back to to, to the, the foundation of our faith, which is uh, not only are you given the gift of free life, of eternal life, but you are given the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead yeah. lives in you and wants to empower you to live in the likeness of Jesus, to, to stay free from the power of sin, to stay free from the power of shame, right. to stay free from all of the things that the enemy is going to come at you with to help you feel discouraged, to make your faith feel dull and dry, to make you fear that God is disappointed in you. It is the Holy Spirit's role to help you live free from all of that. And he can do that, but we have to lean in. We have to cooperate. Yeah, that's great. And I, I love in your book too, the chapters are, are, are shorter and it's, it makes for an easy read and, and, but it's also deep where you can just read a chapter and just kind of absorb that aspect of the Holy Spirit before you move on, you know, just kind of like maybe almost like a uh, part of your, you know, devotional every day, just to kind of like read it, journal and move on to the next one, maybe over 30 days or however people want to read it. But I, I, I love the format of it. And for me, who's not like loving deep theological books, <laughs> I, I love that kind of format. And so, but, but with that, there's, there's so many little uh, intricacies with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I wanted to say is that 
for for Christians, there's not a lot of debate over Father God and not over Jesus even uh, among Orthodox Christianity. That's among like religions will debate Jesus, but there's a lot of debate in Christianity with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, you have different denominations, you have different views, uh, you have a whole, I want to say mess because they, they tend to define Holy Spirit in different ways, but uh, Holy Spirit's not changing the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and so wh- what are some things that you learned uh, while writing this book that maybe changed your perspective on the Holy Spirit? And I-, I love how we can constantly learn new things. And it's not like there's new revelation. It's just there's so much depth in the Bible and so much revelation that can happen just by reading the same verse, maybe you know a year later and get something new out of it. What what are some things that someone might say, yeah, I know the Holy Spirit, I read the Bible, but there's so much depth there. What is something, maybe one piece of that that kind of stood out for you when writing the book? Yeah, it's um, it's actually a chapter that I've probably, I don't even know how many times I read it because it's in the Gospel of John, right? And so when you talk about there's always new depth, there's more, you can read the same verse a hundred times and you're like, whoa, I've never noticed that before. Yeah. And in a, in a life, really, truly life-changing moment for me because um, even though I grew up in a uh, church that was filled with the Holy Spirit and practiced the gifts of the Spirit, what happened for me was I put the Holy Spirit in a spiritual gifts box. Yeah. In my mind, the Holy Spirit was for the gifts of the Spirit. And so that speaks to your point, <laughs> which is we're comfortable with God the Father, we're comfortable with God the Son, but we get real uncomfortable with God the Holy Spirit because there is so much baggage and so many stigmas and so many misconceptions and honestly, so much abuse of yeah. His name mm-hmm. that. We, we assume he's either for the super spiritual or the super strange. And if you wouldn't put yourself in the, you know, teacher, theologian, leader, super spiritual, you you know, you've been following Jesus for so long that you've got access to God's spirit, or you wouldn't put yourself in the super strange category, then, then you have a hard, a lot of people have a hard time going, well, then I just don't know what role he plays in my life. I have Jesus. Why do I need the Holy spirit? And then you see things that have been done in his name that are not of him. And I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about other ways that his name can be used and misused um, or abused that, that you just don't want any part of it. Right. You think I've got enough in God, the father and God, the son. And yet, and yet it is Jesus who said in the gospel of John, and this is so essential. He's speaking to the disciples and he's preparing them for his ascension. And he's preparing them for the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how many times I've read, you know, John 14 through 16, but never until a couple of years ago when I wrote this book, did I realize that Jesus said to his disciples, it is better for you that I return to the father so that the Holy Spirit will come. In other translations, it reads, it is for your benefit that I leave. It is to your advantage that I go away. And what's the reason? The reason is so that the Holy Spirit will come. And Jesus said, if I don't go, he won't come. And if I do go, he will come. So it's better that I go. And scripture says that the disciples were filled with sorrow because they didn't understand, right? They're going, Jesus, how could it be better? How could it be? How could anything be better than you? We want you not quote unquote, just your spirit, Jesus. We want you. And I think that's how it is for a lot of us today, right? We are, but we would say, Jesus, we don't want just your spirit. We want you. We want you next to us. We want to do life with you. And they didn't understand. And Jesus was saying to them, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't handle it all now. (laughs) But his point to them was it's better for you because now you will no longer be dependent 
on my physical presence, but I will actually take up residence inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. And so Jesus would now not only be with them, but in them, right? He said, I'm with you. You know him now because I'm with you, but now he will be in you. And so no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you will have my power manifested through you to spread the gospel in a, in a way that you have never experienced before. Right. And so it's true for us now, just as it was true for them then, that it is better for us because now the Holy Spirit, who, who shares the same essence, the same character as God the Father and God the Son, and yet he has a very distinct purpose in our yeah. lives that is unique, right? So why don't we have to fear the Holy Spirit? Because they are, we have, we worship a triune God. They are one, they are inseparable. So if we don't fear what God wants to do in our lives and we don't fear what Jesus wants to do in our lives, then we don't have to fear what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives because they, they share the same essence. They are one. And so he can be trusted. And the only way we're going to discover that is if we will actually get to know who the Holy Spirit is, Mm -hmm. not who we assume he is, not how we've seen his name used um, in other circles, but to actually get to know him ourselves, to to trust that what Jesus said is true, that it's better that Jesus returned to the Father so that his spirit would come and live in us and give us everything we need to live a godly life. Yeah. That's such a good parallel with, with that example. And in us today, where a lot of times we can get stuck where, uh, God just do that, you know, God go over there, witness to that person, save them. I'll pray for them. We want Jesus to, you know, take the wheel without realizing that we're empowered by the Holy spirit to be led by the Holy spirit, to do, (laughs) to do good works, to, to, spread the gospel to do things that a lot of times we just want to sit on the couch and let God work and he will work, but he also works through people. And so, uh, we, uh, we are honored and blessed to be able to do that through the power of the Holy spirit. And, and, and just like the disciples were kind of along for the ride in Jesus's ministry. And so it's not that they didn't do anything, but at the same time, you know, they kind of just focused on him. And when he left, they were probably like, okay, now now we got to do stuff, you know, we got to, we got to go. And then that's the whole book of acts is, is the power that they had through the Holy spirit coming upon them. And the same Holy spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive today. And in us, and that's, that's exciting. That's, that should energize us every day to realize that we can go and do and be led by the spirit. And I I call discernment spirit infused decision-making because it's, it's decision-making, not just in from our brain or even from what we've read in the Bible, but active and alive in us through the Holy spirit, quickening things to us and allowing us to make on the spot decisions or even long decisions over months, uh, to make decisions that honor God. Awesome. So one last question I want to ask you, uh, before we're out of time is, uh, you discuss in your book that, and I think this is awesome and, and relevant for today is that you discuss that loneliness is being looked at as the new epidemic in America. And uh, I would also add isolation as well, uh, based on mm-hmm. pandemic year and all that, which has made it even worse. Uh, what hope yeah. do people have in the Holy Spirit who may be feeling isolated and alone, do you think? Yeah, I'm glad you asked about that because I think this is one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Holy Spirit, which is we most often hear the Holy Spirit referred to as an it, mm-hmm. right? As a force yeah. uh, or as a power. And the essential piece that we're missing in order to enjoy his companionship and his friendship is that he is a person, 
that yes, he is God, the Holy Spirit, but he is also a divine person with the most dynamic personality. The Holy Spirit has the best personality. And so if we recognize that he is a divine person, which means he has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. And I unpack all of that in the book and give you verses where you can look that up and really die. Because a lot of people go, whoa, would you just say? (laughs) He has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions. And yet when we recognize that, then we go, okay, the Holy Spirit, he's a person. Like, right, so we'll will reduce him to a dove or to fire or to right. water. And those are beautiful symbols in scripture by which he presents himself. Yeah. But that's not who he is, who he is. Cause you can't have a relationship with a dove. Right. right. <laughs> so why it's important is because loneliness, mm-hmm. when you recognize that God himself takes up residence inside of you, that the Holy spirit is a person with a mind, with a will, with emotions, you can have relationship with him. And the beautiful thing about the Holy spirit is that you never are at risk of losing him. He will never leave you. He will never walk out of your life. You can grieve him and you can quench him. And those are entirely other topics that I cover in the book, but you can never lose him. And so there is this, there is a loneliness. um, And, you know, you can be lonely and be surrounded by a hundred people, right? I mean, I think yeah. parents are some of the lonely moms and dads, especially mm-hmm. little people are some of the loneliest people out there because yeah. you are surrounded by young people caretaking and not connecting and having relationship. And so my encouragement would be to get to know the friend above every other friend, the person of the Holy Spirit who comforts you. Jesus called him a comforter. Yeah. Uh, he's called a counselor, right? I mean, think of you could just sit with that word. The Holy Spirit is a counselor, right? I believe in counseling. I, my mm-hmm. husband and I love marriage counseling. When things are bad, they help them get better. When things are good, it helps it get better. Yeah. So yes, I believe in counseling, but don't forfeit the most incredible, wise counselor you could ever have who's free and is very good. And that's the counselor of the Holy Spirit. So these yeah. are he is a gift freely given to you when you put your trust in Jesus to counsel you, to comfort you, to encourage you. And it is very real. He is very, that experience of his comfort and his counsel, as you said earlier, his his ability to guide you, to quicken things in your mind when you need to make decisions is very, very real. And so he wants to be that champion to you. He wants to be that friend to you. He wants to bring counsel and comfort and joy and hope, right? He makes us, scripture says, he makes us abound in hope. And it's not hope and circumstance. It's a it's a supernatural hope. Yeah. Um, and these are very real things that he wants to do in us and through us when we um, get to know him and lean into his presence. And, and it can be very real for those of us who feel lonely or isolated, knowing that you are never truly alone because the person of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and wants to be in relationship with you and provide all these things for you. Yeah. Love that. And that reminded me of my book too. I wrote about Holy Spirit being a counselor and the word is paraclete, which is used kind of like a family attorney. So an attorney that would be like on retainer for your family. So if you had a problem, that attorney would come rushing to your aid because you're, you're, he's there for you. And that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does for us. He He's there ready to help us at a moment's notice, but you know, you got to pick up the phone and call the attorney. You got to, you got to call upon the Holy spirit to kind of be there and guide you. Um, otherwise, if we try to do it, going back to when we started trying, trying to do everything in our own power and our own knowledge, we, we, we will uh, crash and burn, unfortunately. So awesome. Well, uh, I love this conversation and uh, the book is don't miss out. 
And uh, if you just want to tell everyone where they can connect with you and uh, get the resources you have. Sure. Uh, my website is geniekenyon.com. My Instagram is geniekenyon. And the book is available wherever books are sold. You can get it from my website or Amazon or wherever you like to buy books. And, um, you know, like you said, it's really, it's written in 30 short chapters, very short, digestible. Uh, and I, I thank you for what you said, because I did write it so that it would be accessible, but it also, I also wanted it to be theologically deep and rich. And yeah. I'm just grateful that the Lord worked that out. So 30 mm-hmm. short chapters, each one about a benefit uh, of having the Holy Spirit in your life. So I encourage you to read it and get to know him and um, let him, let him blow you away with what he wants to do in you and through you. Awesome. I'll put those links in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on. God bless you, your family and your ministry. Thank you so much. I want to thank Jeannie for coming on. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, would you share it with a friend? That would mean the world to me as well as leaving a five-star review. Don't forget that my new book, Eyes on Jesus, a 90-day discernment devotional is available to pre-order. If you didn't do it at the very beginning of this episode, what are you waiting for? Go to the show notes. I would appreciate your support. And for next week, I'm talking to Rob Kowalski. He is a self-professed reformed bad boy, and the lifestyle of being a stripper took the toll on him. And at the age of 27 years, Jesus showed up and changed his life forever. More next week with him. And until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.